Welcome to episode 103 of Running Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Hudfield, and today's special guest is Brisbane-based ultra runner Nick Bamford. Nick has had a spectacular couple of years in the ultra running world. He's come to it reasonably late in the piece, but has certainly taken the the running world by storm with wins at the Black Hall 100k trail race up in Brizzy, second overall in the Brisbane Trail Ultra 100-mile event, Came in third in last year's Coast of Kosciuszko in an amazing time of 28 hours. And top 10 finisher at Ultra Trail Australia 100K last year in a tick over 10 hours, among many other uh, impressive results, podiums uh, all over the place. So today we have, yeah, the pleasure of chatting with Nick and he's got a really interesting perspective on running. He's a self-confessed running nerd. He he certainly has a spreadsheet for most uh, aspects of his racing and training calendar and he's he's, he's got some really great information to impart with us. Uh, He's also a Raid Light ambassador which fits in nicely with our mates over at Raid Light so we chat a little bit of gear there as well Um, and so yeah I'm sure you'll enjoy uh, Nick's interview. Just like to thank our podcast partners Guy Me Allied Health, Basecamp Altitude, Fractel, Energy, Running Matters Coaching, Raid Light, of course, Ranala, Cronulla Beer Co, Coda Nutrition. And we've got a, a bit of a deal with our friends over at Max Adventure for the Jabalani uh, race coming up on Saturday, the 2nd of April, up in the beautiful Karingai Chase National Park. Uh, Jabalani has a 12K, a 22K and a 45K option, sorry. Um, and it's by the, the great people at Max Adventure. And, and they've got a bit of a, a discount code for our Running Matters podcast listeners. So if you type in RMPOD, so R-M-P-O-D 22, you'll receive a discount on entry for the 12, the 22, or the 45K at Jabalani. So uh, a, a nice nice option leading into Ultra Trail Australia races about a month or so out. So it could be a good little race to, to pick up on the way through. So jump on and have a look at that, as well as the discount uh, codes from our from our other podcast partners. Jump on and, and have a squeeze. Okay, without further ado, we'll get uh, Nick Bamford on. Enjoy. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Nick Bamford. How are you, mate? Yeah, really well, thanks, Hattie. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. It's, uh, it's great to chat running. No, no, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and, and firstly, congratulations on a spectacular couple of years of racing, mate. You've uh, you, you've certainly been dusting off the podium shoes regularly. <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun. Um, just uh, just exploring to see where 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 it takes me. I'm still feel like a novice to the sport, um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's been uh, it, it's been good. And I say just getting a lot of training, a lot of racing in um, and pulling something together that's, uh, that's getting some results. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the interesting point about, about your little journey is that you are essentially a novice to the sport. You know, you've only been sort of racing at that level for a couple of years uh, and we'll get into sort of the nuts and bolts of that, but I'd like to, to take you back, I guess, to your origin story, which you like to grab from our runners. So where, where did running start for you, Nick? So I think as a, like a, as a kid, I was very active. Um, I grew up in um, rural uh, northeast Scotland. Um, so I had two, two brothers, um, and we grew up on seven acres with a forestry block behind us. So we were just always running around, chasing each other, um, shooting my little brother with a catapult, which made him a half-decent runner. <laughs> and so I think just that act, you know, activity, that translated into... Um, yeah, like very mediocre sporting at school, like a sort of a solid second 15 uh, rugbyian player. Um, I did I did get a penchant for running longer distances, like especially I think as a nine-year-old to get out of cricket practice once I, I said I'd run around a track and did, you know, just did 3K off the bat without, without sort of breaking a sweat. So I kind of, it was always there. And then senior school, I did, like I ran, I ran cross country very middle of the pack. Um, you know, I was, I was, I was competitive. But I think I got, I got selected for county, but I got like the last place. So, um, yeah, never, never won anything, but, but had, had good fun. But it was about around that time I got injured with shin splints. So sort of forgot about the running and basically when lived life, 
um, got into ice hockey when I was at university. Um, I played tiddlywinks, which for those who don't know, is a little game where you're flipping a plastic coin into a cup. Um, and just, yeah, and then uh, basically the, the beer and the food and, and life. Um, and that was it until, what, um, I think 2018. <laughs> Mm. I, look, I, I'll, I'll stop you there. I, I guess tiddlywink sounds very much like beer pong. So was this actually a competitive thing or were you just in a pub in London somewhere? Uh, I was in a pub in, in, in Oxford and uh, I spent, well, in the college bar. And I spent far too much time there. I was down there one Tuesday night playing pool with a friend and the tiddlywinks team were practicing. This is the university level tiddlywinks team. They were short, they were short one person. So they asked me to play with them, and I, uh, I did, and that was me selected for uh, for varsity. <laughs> <laughs> did uh, did you manage to get the Oxford Blue in Tiddlywinks, mate? Mate, it's actually well, I think it's unofficial now, but I do actually have a quarter blue, um, which is not really a thing. You have a half blue or a full blue, but yeah. I did actually get the scarf, which has like what is yeah one 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 thin stripe down the side. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's, it all counts. That's great. Um, I, I believe your old man was a little bit of a cross-country runner back in Scotland. Uh, yeah, well, he, so he's Cornish, uh, so southwest of England. Um, but yeah, I think he'd he'd um, he'd run for his school, um, and so had a had a bit of bit of form, but never uh, ne- never sort of um, sort of took it took it anywhere. But always kind of fit and healthy, and like I say, two two brothers. Younger brother, it's all older brother's a very good mountaineer. He's done some pretty pretty gnarly ascents in the French Alps. Yeah. Uh, younger brother is also a mountaineer, but also has been an ultra runner. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely something in the blood there. Has to be, has to be, mate. Um, yeah. and, and and so how long have you been in uh, sunny Australia for? So backwards and forwards a little bit. I came as a backpacker in 2008. Um, I came to study in 2015, but yeah, I arrived in March 2018, finally able to settle. Okay. And, and around the same time we started running, was it just the, the weather that spurred you on, mate, or what was the, uh, the reasoning? Oh, man, I sat on the beach. I stopped, so I stopped off a few places on the way over, and I sat on a beach in, uh, in Bali um, looking, looking at my gut after two years living in London. Again, I should really do something about that. So my mind, like, I remember it really vividly. I was like, I'll, I'll run a marathon. It was like, I had run a, I had run a marathon as a fun runner um, previously, like a few years ago. And so I was like, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll do run a marathon, but on a trail. So I Googled trail marathon Brisbane, and Google kicked out Brisbane trail marathon. Now, I don't know if you've heard of Brisbane trail marathon, but it's like 2,400 meters elevation and 42 kilometers. Right. Absolutely. Like, it's warm, it's hard. I had no idea what it, but I did it. Um, and I tra- like I did actually get a decent training block in for that. So I just built up, yeah. It was, I actually downloaded it from REI, like the US, um, US outdoor shop. Yeah. Um, I downloaded this training program for trail marathon, did it and then raced it. And it was, I think at that point it was like, oh, it's, it's easy. You put in the work, you get the result. Okay. So, so you had that uh, early realization that yeah, work, work equaled uh, result. <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, and then I ignored it for the next uh, for the next year or so. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it didn't seem to stop you entering a hundred k ultra marathon reasonably quickly after that. Yeah, so that was an interesting one. I'd, I'd actually for my first race, I decided to run the track, which was a hundred. So, which is 550k multi-day from Alice Springs to Uluru. Mm. Um, work meant I couldn't do it, so I thought I'd do 100k as a in the in the guzzler here in Brisbane, and so I thought I'd do that instead. And um, well, the thing the the thing with the work thing was it didn't go away, so I did very little training for the guzzler, um, which is yeah another another tough course. Um, and yeah, that, I, I pushed through. I got, I came 31st and 17 hours and I remember 17 hours and 47 minutes. Yeah. Um, so solid, like decent mid pack effort. And you look at my training, you look at the formers and you go, hey, well done. You know, it's a, a good, good effort. Um, 
solidly behind a bunch of friends of mine that I now you know now train with, and they're all very proud of having that scalp on the uh, on on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an amazing contrast, actually, looking through your list of results for that guzzler, particularly because. 12 months later, you're standing on the top step of the podium. So, uh, yeah, very interesting. But uh, I guess in terms of that first first 100K, what what was the main thing you took out of it in terms of what, what can I do better? Uh, well, it was that training. Just like I, I knew that I was going in light, um, like I was a light, light on training. I, I just hadn't. And that was all on my Strava. Like there's nothing hidden there. You'll see like there's a couple of long runs um, and the, like desperate, you know, we call it cramming. Um, so I just knew that I'd, I was undertrained. Um, but I took some, I, I probably took more positives out of it. Like I managed to run 100 kilometers on little training. Mm. I had no, like when it, when it got dark, I actually uh, felt, started to feel better. Um, you know, I almost felt like my childhood running through the, running through the woods at home. And um, I'm very, very comfortable on a trail at night. Um, so the, yeah, I, I, I was with, I had hiking poles that went really well. A sort of big part of my racing. Um, so yeah, I came out of that pretty positive. But then um, learned some lessons and then didn't follow through on any of them again. And um, it took me a while to get back into actually training. <laughs> How long did it take you to uh, recover from a hundred k's with not a great deal of training? Um, I think a, I think a couple of months. Like it. it it took, but it, it was October. So I did that in July, 2019. It was October, 2019. I started training for Tarawera. Mm-hmm. Um, and the my, I thought I've done a hundred K, I'll do a miler now. Of course. My friend John Walsh had done the, um, around the same time I started training with a few guys on a Saturday morning. And one of them was John Walsh, who'd, who'd actually run that girl's roundly beaten me. And around that time he'd done the Alpine challenge mm-hmm. miler. So I was like, cool, let's do that. You've got to do a miler to get into UTMB, and that's the big thing. So I signed up for the Tarawera miler, and I'll tell you what, I started off with about, I think, 40Ks a week, mm-hmm. um, and then built that up to 138, kilometer, 138 kilometers a week, mm. and literally just follow the bouncing ball. Like three three weeks, you improve, you increase at 10%. One week, you, you step it back. Increase it 10%, step back. And I literally did that. As I say, it's all, on, all the workouts are there on Strava. Um, and just built, built up. I think the other thing I did was the zone two running. Yep. And I'd read Rich Roll's um, book. Oh, no, I'd listened to it, listened to the audiobook from Rich Roll, and he talks about running at such an easy pace that the overweight people are passing you. And <laughs> I took that very literally. And I set my, I, I bought for that training block, I bought my Garmin. And I set it like seventy percent max. Don't like alarm goes off if you if you hit it. And so I just trained very very easy mm-hmm. um, and built built the volume, and that that worked really well. Yeah, I mean that's that's an incredible way to build an incredible base. It's it's often uh, not done very well because people don't follow the process. How, how did you how did you find it psychologically? I guess running at that that slow pace. Um, I'm I think I'm quite a lazy runner. <laughs> I mean, maybe I put a positive spin on that. Like I have a natural ability in the ultra distances. Like I, I'm not a fast tanker. Like, I'm, like when I'm fit, I can have a respectable 10K time, but I'm not fast. Mm. And I think where I come into my own are those lower intensities. So I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, just, you know, pootling along, um, not pushing too hard. And it's almost like that's the game. I find it I, I find it very easy to settle into a, into a game or a you know just a, a blank mental state. Mm-hmm. So I'm running along, and it's like okay, the game is stick on that um, you know 67 percent of, of max heart rate, yeah. and you do it, and it and it works because you don't you don't overstress your 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 muscle your uh, muscle skeleton, um, and you don't overstress your cardio system. It's like Absolutely. And, and did you find that in terms of building up from 40Ks to 140, roughly, you remain pretty injury-free because of that uh, lower-intensity stuff? Yeah, well, in t- touch wood, um, what I've been training, what, what, two and a half, like, yes, I started in October, so I've had two and a half years now. Mm-hmm. Um, other than the occasional niggle, I've been injury-free the whole time. 
Yeah, I think that that says a lot. I I spend my entire day telling people to run slower, so uh, maybe they should just <laughs> listen to you instead. Oh, no, I'm happy to happy to add my voice to it. Like I, um, yeah, I'm just running running slower. And there's bits of my training cycle now where it's a little bit more advanced, and I'm trying to squeeze different different cardiovascular gains out of different different uh, you know for different races. Hmm. But the basis, the basis of the whole thing is still long, you know, long slow runs and um, and going easy and not overstressing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and that that Tarawera race had a very little intensity, um, and I yeah, so I ran the miler in twenty one hours fifty one minutes, hmm. and and came t uh, came tenth in a you know fairly fairly decent um, hundred mile race. This is Tarawera, you mean? Yep. This is Tarawera, yeah. Yep. Um, so, as like that, that really set a set something off in my brain, which is like, okay, yeah, you train well, you do it right, um, you get the results. But also, it gave me a little. There's a little little thing went off in my head when I was lying on the floor at the finish line, going, "There might be something in this for me." Actually, I think I might have uh, have some potential here. Oh, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting uh, point. It sort of actually brings me to um, my first question. You may well have already answered it from uh, Alex Piggott. So he, he's asked, was it a conscious decision to start racing for podium spots or did you just find yourself at the pointy end of the field as the fitness improved? No, I think there's probably a two-stage process. So Tarawera, I found my, like I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, everyone watch, everyone dot watching in Brisbane where you know they were sending messages and things going, what are you doing? You're going too fast. Um, you're going to burn out. Like in a positive way, like an encouraging, like watch what you're doing. But um, so it kind of surprised everyone. And then, well, we hit. Um, I'd sort of planned to hit UTA straight up. We went through the sort of co the big COVID lockdowns. Mm. Um, and I, w I did the like hoker. I and I just trained like trained like a beast, like a lot of other runners. Mm. And I went through that Hoka isolation challenge, which is 5, 10, 21K on the Saturday, and then 64K on the Sunday. Mm -hmm. And on that training block, I PB'd everything from one kilometer to, uh, to 50 kilometers. Wow. So I was like, I knew I was building something. I knew I was, knew I was doing, but obviously I wasn't placing because that's like global. Um, and then... The first race out of lockdown was BVRT, and absolutely, um, you might you probably heard I've I've got a PowerPoint presentation and an Excel spreadsheet for every race, and that PowerPoint presentation says the goal is to win. Okay, all right. Now so it was um, they're all ambitious, by the way. I I had no business sort of going into that race with expectations, but I, I think I set them high. Yeah, but I guess success breeds success there. And, um, you know, you, you've shown you can do it on a pretty big stage at Tarawera. So why, why on earth not? Yeah. Um, so I, that was a cracking race. Um, and, yeah, I did. Uh, it was a bit of, bit of backwards and forwards through the night. Um, it was really the first time my the crew that I've, I've kind of known and love started, kind of came together with. So Chris, Chris Kane is sort of crew chief for me on a few of the races. My wife Emma, running buddy John Walsh, and all of these guys sort of uh, you know, jump, jumping in, and that was amazing. Like they had every need that I had, but every need was just like preempted. They're all runners. Like Chris is a builder as well, and he had all the tools out his truck, and instead of roll, rolls of electrical wire, and it's rolls of physio tape, and <laughs> like it was just amazing what the guys did on that, um, and that was a big part of success. Well, that's good. I guess you're standing on the shoulders of people who know what they're doing there, mate, so that it always helps. That's it. Uh, so I, I do want to talk about the uh, yeah the PowerPoint presentation and the Excel spreadsheet. So I believe this is born of uh, of, of your occupation. What, what what do you do for work, Nick? So I, I run a, a small engineering company. Um, mm. So very, very niche. Um, we, we work in, uh, in dynamic weighing. For bulk materials, so that means like any time you're moving products along a conveyor, uh, we help companies weigh it. So um, yeah, as I say, very very niche. But I did a, I did management consulting for a couple of years. So that mm. was a lot of like selling ideas, building arguments in a in a in a deck and action plans, and and doing a lot of analytical stuff. 
yeah. um, in, in Excel. And I just, um, I took that, that approach to my races and, you know, broke down, okay, what do I need to do to win this race? I was like, yeah. how fast do I need to run from here to here and here to here? Mm-hmm. Okay, then I need fuel for that. So if it's going to take this long to run from here to here, and I want to hit 250 calories an hour. Yeah. And so I built it all out in a big model. I got a little bit excited and built a regression analysis. So the crew can actually put in the actual time and it'll calc- it'll forecast on the trot, like the, the rest of it based on how far ahead I am and then how much food I need between the checkpoints. Um, <laughs> it's never worked that well in practice because when you've got a pissed off crew at like four in the morning in, a, in some lay-by, like they, 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 the last thing that they want to do is pull out a laptop and <laughs> type it in. This is a useful tool to plan. Yeah, so so in terms of, let's say, you get into checkpoint five, 25 minutes ahead of schedule, then it re, reroutes your timing for the rest of the day. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, it says, okay, we're 25... 25 minutes ahead of here, that's X percentage on the expected time. So updates the prediction for the rest of the race. Yeah. And updates the calories uh, to match. Yeah. <laughs> that's spectacular, mate. <laughs> uh, as I say, it's been of limited use in, in practice. And I, what I usually fall back on is one, one spring gel every hour, um, a bottle of juice and a... Um, uh, use have like a Red Bull or a Coke at the aid stations. Yeah. So okay. So so it's you know I just fall back to something that I know well, but it's it's done on time. Yeah. So I I do know I've usually got a couple of extra gels with me. I know what I'm taking in. I'm calculating it on the fly. Yeah. Um, but I, I do keep a pretty I do keep a close eye on it because when 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 it comes to the pointy end of a hundred k race, like that's the difference between first and second, first and fourth. Yeah. Is that uh, is, is being well fueled. Yeah, absolutely. It makes a massive difference, and to know those numbers is uh, is a huge advantage for sure. We um, yeah spoke to Daryl Griffiths last week, and just the the depth of um, knowledge on the specifics of your own numbers just makes yeah huge huge amounts of difference for sure. Um, I, I guess in terms of your race splits, when you are sort of being so detail oriented with your your spreadsheet, there, how does the psychology go if you're sitting behind those splits? Um, like I don't, again, sort of I set it up and it works well for the crew, but I'll know where I'm at in terms of effort. Like I've, with all that slow running, I've gotten quite good at dialing in, like where I need to be and often, and during the, um, I'll, like I'll, what I do, uh, what I'll do now is I'll set my easy pace based on race pace for 100k and more mm. or, or effort. So what that means is, if I, I can run a I can run a hundred k at about seventy eight percent of maximum effort, yeah. so I'll, I'll know where I'm at, at with that. I'll have dialed that in. So by the time I actually hit it on race day, I'll know what I can do, and the, and the, the splits will be based on what I've been doing in training at that effort. Mm-hmm. But if it's hotter, if it's colder, um, if it's a bit more competitive, if the if the trail's a bit a bit broken up, it'll have an impact, and there's nothing I can really do about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I, sh- the only thing, and my mindset is like the, uh, a great one, for, and I'm happy to talk about a coach as well. Like, so Damo, Damo Hall coaches me, and he's done very well at going in easy and then picking places through the back end. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, don't be an idiot in the first half of a race, don't be a wimp in the second. <laughs> it's one of my but, favorite um, quotes for ultra marathons, mate. I, I've not uh, always heard it uh, with wimp in the back end, but there's, there's a few other words you <laughs> could use. There's a few choice words for the front end of it too, but um, <laughs> but it's uh, and, I, you know, and I've and I've had races where I've lived it well and races where I've done done less well at that. But really, when I'm I'm not I'm not thinking in ter- like okay, I'll be looking at splits and I'll have an idea where I'm at. But I'm really going against effort. Am I pushing too hard? You know, when I look deep inside, or am I am I going easy? Have I got more to give here? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really the, the only metric that matters. Yeah, that's that's right. And, and how often do you think you dial into that metric during the course of 100K? Is there, Nick? Well, how often do I check myself? Yeah. Oh, all the time. It's a, mm-hmm. it's not a, it, it, like a, I'll, I'll have a check-in, but mostly physical on a, per, you know, periodically, like every half hour, every, every hour. Um, you know, just, and it's good. I think about my form, think about what's, what's hurting, what I need. 
but in terms of the effort, it's constant. Um, I've kind of got it down to there's a if if sweat starts beading at a particular point of my on my brow, like, and I feel it just get to a certain point, it's about to drip. That's when I'm going too hard. Yeah, wow, that's that's the the telltale sign. Yeah, it's a, it's a telltale sign, but I try. I've I've got to be dialed in that much because if I do 15 minutes at you know, at uh, too high intensity, that can really screw it for the rest of the race. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. You're uh, you, you're chasing lactic acid for quite a long time after that. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so you you mentioned uh, Damien Hall. When, when did you hook up with Damo for for coaching purposes? Yeah, so halfway through the training block for for Ultra Trail Australia, so that would have been February 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was about a, yeah, about a year. I've just been over a year with with Damo now. Yeah, okay, and. and I guess you you had a pretty uh, strict regime leading up into there. What what has Damien brought to the table there? He's uh, he slashed my uh, my volume um, by about thirty percent. Was about the first thing he did. Yeah. Um, what were you doing uh, at that point in time? How, how many k's per week was was normal? Uh one hundred and sixty to two hundred. Okay. Um, and then I'd do three high intensity. I was doing three high intensity sessions. So flat, flat intervals, hill intervals, and then a tempo run, mm-hmm. and then running a whole bunch of uh, easy, um, easy runs on top of that with long, with like back to back 40, 50 k's at the weekend. Yeah, wow. So um, serious volume, that's for sure. Yeah, and I and I tell you what, this sport and I like it's an it's a, it's an individual thing, but this sport and I don't I can't I can't tell you exactly where I would have been if I'd been if I continued on that track. Mm. But the sport of the sport is full of people who've turned up, done well for a season or two, and then you don't hear that hear from them again. And I'm talking seriously, big names like Western States winners. Um, and I, I, put, I might well have gotten a little bit further, a little bit faster, but I'm pretty sure that it would have. Like, there's only so much you can keep adding that volume hmm. before you have to do something a bit smarter. And that's really the tack I took with the demo, and he cut out a bunch of it. Um, added some weird things called strides that I've never heard of. <laughs> Mate, um, uh, I don't think anyone actually knows what they are. Still, have you got your <laughs> your own take on it? I thought that was what I what I wore under my trousers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, so it's um, I mean the way the way Debo sets it is it's four by thirty or six by twenty seconds, either on the flat or on the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going hard, but not all out sprinting. Okay. It's usually in the second second half of a of a long of a of a kind of a standard run, so like a yeah, 15, 16 kilometer run of a weekday morning, and just that little bit. And it's just um, that little bit of extra stimulus that mm-hmm. um, like just tells the top end of your of your cardiovascular system that that, that it's still needed. Yeah. And, and, and have you noticed a change, I guess, in your mechanics or your top end speed as a consequence of those strides, Nick? Well, I, I think my top end speed's probably reduced since I was training with Demo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, 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 the program I was doing before was good for everything from about 10K to 240 kilometers. Like, I was trying to, I was trying to cover everything, and Demo really said, Well, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to win a 100K race. And so we go, okay, black hole, 100K race, relatively flat, let's dial that in. Mm-hmm. So I haven't done a 10K time trial, but I'm probably slower now than I was 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I have noticed is that I spent last year um, standing on a podium, and that's really what I've asked Coach to help me do, and that's what he's delivered. Yeah, fantastic. That's Yeah, I, I love that. But just getting specific. And I think we're all pretty guilty of trying to uh, run a fast park run, but also be competitive at 100Ks. And you just can't, you can't be both. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot, of, peop- a lot of people are. And, you know, um, so, you know so, some of the other runners, especially the guys who are sort of right at the front of UCA, you know, doing, doing absolutely amazing things. Hmm. But, you know, I've, I've definitely beaten faster runners in races. Um, throughout that, and um, you know, two thirds. Like I've, I've not done a marathon in a long time, like a, a road marathon. I guess my potential 
with a decent bit, bit of trading, be something in the region of 245. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've got, but I'm, I'm going head to head on 100K races with 225 marathoners. Yeah, that's right. Um, but still coming out on the right side. So something, you know, there's, there's something, something in that training. Oh, you can't argue with that, mate. Uh, look, you've also had some input from our uh, form coach, Shane Benzi, um, who's the author of The Lost Art of Running. Uh, what, what sort of input has, has, has he had? Yeah, he's been, been absolutely instrumental. So I got on to Shane Benzi early. Um, so that was my mate, Chris, Chris Kane, who sort of crew chief me. Um, he recommended the book. I didn't like the title. It kind of implied any time that there's an implication that there's something lost and someone has magically come across it, I'm very skeptical. Mm -hmm. You know, Chris McDougall discovering barefoot running through these tribes, and it turns out there's very little science that back, backs that up. Mm -hmm. uh, I was very skeptical, but Chris told me to read it, and so I read it. And man, it just absolutely transformed the way that I think about form. Mm -hmm. um, I'd already gotten onto form, I realized that you know, in my problem solving framework, better form is going to lead to better results. But when I got onto Shane Benz and the way he describes he describes things and the and the backup and I'm always asking why and he's always got an answer. So once I read the book, I signed up for um, online um, online form coaching. So you take a video of yourself, um, you know, running you know, on the flat, fast, the fat, slow, uh, uphill, and he he diagnoses you on the on a Zoom call. Mm -hmm. um what a diagnosis yeah, it's probably a bit grand but he <laughs> he tell, he gives he gives he gives you absolutely solid coaching points i've still got the notes in my top drawer i go through um and it's things like you know lifting your head up um getting the foot strike right it's all the individual bits and i think if you look at the advice that shane gives and we you know, kind of common common sort of good running form i don't think there's any massive golfs or any big surprises but he definitely coaches in a way that you can pick it up and you can he talks about resetting the software mm -hmm. and the way you know with those prompts i was able to turn myself in from a, a pretty horrendous heel striker um poor running mechanics kind of very low thing it looks like you know my, my arms are still a bit of a problem i've got very long arms so it looks like i'm smuggling piglets when i'm running <laughs> I'm not sure I can conjure that image up there, Nick, but it's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> There's some videos of me running on the internet. You never look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's unreal. I don't think there's much fixing that, mate. The, the length of your arm is the length of your arm. So, yeah, you have to keep <laughs> smuggling those piglets, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I, I guess in, in terms of your efficiency and, and the way you feel running, um, does it feel different now? Yeah, uh, it's that certainly that efficiency. Um, it's all about the glutes firing, um, and so I yeah I, I feel and using the without jumping in too technical. So using the fascia. So when when I land, I'm landing on a on a spring that's ready to to take up the energy and release it. And that the, the fascia, the sheaths around the muscle. Are, are what gives gives you that so it, it absorbs the energy and returns it mm -hmm. whereas if you find yourself landing on muscle it just it, you're basically a dampener and it, it, it takes it it puts the energy into the ground mm -hmm. so i find myself returning a lot of energy and the other thing i'm able to do is run downhill on my glutes um and when you think about it the common thing is i'll you know careful on the downhill skills you'll shoot out your quads mm. Well, your quads and your uh, your hip flexors are quite fragile, whereas your glutes are massive. I, I think you're you're a you're a a, um, a physio, aren't right, you, Harry? So I'm probably yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, teaching grandma to suck eggs. But it's, I don't know. it's these big big. It's basically taking the weight. First of all, you're taking the the loads into your fascia to release it back out. But where you are taking loads, you're taking them the biggest muscles with the largest cross section, mm. um, and what I find is I can run, I can run downhill and it's a fast, it's a fast run downhill because you're not breaking quite so much, but when you find yourself good downhill form, yeah, you don't finish a race with sore, uh, sore quads. Uh, you just finish with very tired glutes. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what you should do. Those, those muscles are the ones that should be getting tired. If, if you've got tired glutes, you're doing the right thing, mate. So, um, 
and and you're obviously not leaning back too far when you're running down a hill. So it's uh, no. yeah, it's an interesting run. I was talking to my my coach the other day after running Mount Stromlo 50 the other day, and he's just asking about you know the quads and you know the downhill running and all this stuff. I went, no, nah, they're fine. They're fine. So I, I don't yeah. know. There's obviously ways ways to do these things without smashing your knees in your quads. That's for sure. Oh, and and the one I mean the one thing the one thing I'll say that for is, is like one one thing everyone can do. Take a video of yourself. or go to get a mate to take a video of you running, and watch it. And you don't need world class form coach to pick out most of the things that are wrong, things that are wrong. You can look at yourself and go, and and it's very clear where the energy is getting used up, where the where the forces are, where the shock is on the joints, and you can. It's pretty pretty intuitive looking at yourself what you need to change. So I recommend everyone does that. I, th- I think so too. I, and there's generally two or three really basic things that you can do straight away without sort of diving too far into uh, tinkering with the mechanics. I don't love to do it in that way. There's usually a couple of cues that make life a lot easier rather than sort of talking about inches here or there. It doesn't seem to work with, with runners. They don't think mm. like that for some reason. <laughs> think, talking about the way way we think, I suppose, while we're running, you, you describe yourself as as running happy regularly. So is, is this a conscious effort to run with a smile on your face or are you genuinely pumped to be out there? I so most, most of the time, I'd probably say 95 to 97% of the time, I'm just happy to be out there. I, I love to run. I love to race. Um, you know, I, I've spent a decent amount of time because it kind of came in with demos coaching. Like, what's your why? Like, why are you running? Why are you out there? I mean, I I can't come up with much better than I really like it. Um, that's, that's, that's um, enough. I, I'm and I almost apologise for coming on a podcast, but without a without a backstory, without a a demon to overcome, and I <laughs> and I really respect the guys doing that, and I've got good mates who. Uh, who running has been uh, literally saved their life, mm. but I just don't have that interesting a story. I really like it, and I found something I'm good at and enjoy, and I run with people I love, and I yeah, uh, and that's the main thing. The the three to five percent of the time, in fact, no, I, I, like I'll leave one percent. So two to four percent of the time, I force myself to smile, to remind myself why I'm doing it because I because I love it and I'm having fun. The 1% I'm grumpy and miserable and I'm shouting at my crew. And, but that's very, very rare with me. I'm, uh, I'm usually, usually seen with a, with a happy-go-lucky disposition. I think, I think we've got to allow you the 1%. Otherwise, uh, there might be something clinically wrong with you, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I think half, halfway up Mount Kosciuszko in the middle of the night um, with the temperature fluctuating, that was probably one of the, one of the lower moments. Yeah, so you, you managed to actually make it to the top of Kosciuszko when quite a number didn't on that day, I believe. Yeah, so I had a, I had a good run. Like I, I had no expect, and this is often where I race well. I had no expectations. Um, I was running it for fun. I was like, can I can I even do this? I was scared by the distance. You know, 160k is a lot shorter than 240k. Mm. Um, I didn't know how long I'd be out for. So I just went down with the same guys. It was John, John, uh, Emma, and Chris um, as my crew, and we just had such a good weekend. Mm. Um, they were driving along, throwing abuse at me and the other runners. I was throwing abuse at the uh, the crews and just having a bit of a laugh and a joke of it. Um, but I picked, yeah, picked up through the day. It got hot. Um, you know, that, that year it was pretty warm. Um, I'd been training in Queensland. And I've also got a mantra where I tell myself I, I'm solar powered. Um, how true this is, I don't know, but it, it definitely helps because I see people dropping on the side and go, oh, that's fine, that's not me because I'm solar powered. <laughs> Some sort of photosynthesis <laughs> going on there, Nick. Oh, absolutely. So I, I, I finished that well. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was yeah, t- just under 29 hours. So the weather, I think the weather came in that year, but... Um, Managed to managed to make it in before uh, before they called it. It's a fantastic effort, mate. First time Costa Kosciuszko making it onto the podium. It's it's brilliant. Um, I, I'd like to know about that race particularly. Uh, how do you decide what pace you're going to run kilometer one? Uh, 
I found two. <laughs> well, I, I ran it by effort. It was 68% of maximum heart rate, which I'd been training, and I knew that that was about five minutes, 40 a kilometer. Mm-hmm. And, so and, I just... and, and from there, did you just try to maintain 540s for as long as humanly possible? Just maintain the effort. Um, like, it wasn't about the 540. That was sort of a benchmark, uh, and especially at the start, you know, I wasn't going too fast. Um, but I ran slower up. I didn't, sorry, I didn't run slower up the hill. I walked up the hill. Um, you know, I got my pole. I had a sandwich at the bottom of Big Jack Mountain and got my poles out and, and, and walked up with John. Um, so that wasn't a big deal. Um, I think, yeah, the the when you get into the back end of that race, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think I've got a bit more and I could do a bit better, mm-hmm. jog some more where I was walking. Um, but yeah, it was... It wasn't until I didn't think about pace again until we were on our way down from the summit. Mm-hmm. And John said to me, uh, he said, Nick, if you pick it up and manage under six minute Ks, then you'll finish under 29 hours. Now, the PowerPoint said 28 or 30, so 29 didn't feature. <laughs> I was like, whatever, I don't care. And then I didn't want to disappoint John. You know, he's, uh, he's very much, uh, um, I'm, not, I'm not angry, I'm just a bit disappointed kind of guy. Yeah. Um, so I, I picked it up and using that running form and, and sort of fascial return, this is where I find out what I've actually got. Because I, okay, a little bit of down, little bit of downhill slope towards the end. But my, my last kilometer in that race was my fastest. It was about three, four, sorry, four, 435, 440. Yeah. From 239 um, to 240Ks. That's spectacular. Um, and that, but that, that that was the only time I thought about pace after the after the start. <laughs> that's that's an impressive achievement, that's for sure. I, I do like how uh, you know over the course of that you know basically day and a half kind of a race, you still find this arbitrary number of twenty nine hours to aim for, like it sort of means something. No, that was John. That wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> I love. It. We all do it. We all do exactly the same thing. This bargaining yeah. process that goes on in the last sort of quarter of a race. That's great. That's great. We we talked about sort of running happy. You, you, you talked also about not trying to get into a, a pain cave state, so not subscribing to that. You know that way of racing or training. Do Do you have sessions through the week where you, I guess, are, are in pain, Nick? Nah, um, I did, like I run, I'll run hard. I mean, don't get me wrong, and I'll I'll push push what I've got. Um, you know, especially in an interval session, and I'm on a non-interval. But it's never a pain cave. I, you know, the pain cave thing. I think it, I don't know if it originates, but it definitely it comes it comes a lot from the David Goggins view of the world, mm. and. He's inspired a lot of people, and he's done he's done some amazing things. I mean, the guy is serious, seriously good athlete. But when he talks about the pain cave, I find people's interpretation of that is like, I'm going to an ultra, I must find this pain cave, and I must be ready for it. And all this is like, you go looking. And if you go looking for a pain cave, you'll find it. It's like 200, 160k, 240k, like it's there. Hmm. And if you if you look for it, you'll find it, and you'll sit in it, and you'll feel sorry for yourself. Whereas Far better is to, to just, you know, and this is a very much opinion, uh, Harry, but like if you feel like you're going to have a good race, if you feel like you're going to have a good time, understand that there's going to be some down moments and it's not all going to be sweetness and light, but hey, you'll find a way through it. Hmm. I, I find that is far less exhausting than flinching, going, is this it? Am I in the pain cave yet? Is this like, I don't know, can I, can I get out of the pain cave? <laughs> <laughs> Are there bats in here? Yeah, there's an air of inevitability about that, isn't there? Yeah, so just like it's just not it's not something that's worked for me. One of the Goggins things I absolutely love is stealing souls in the night. I'm not, um, I'm not, not familiar with that one. What does uh, what does Goggins so say? Every every runner you pass, you, you take their soul, um, and that gives you energy and um, and, and a sort of a yeah a, a bit of a boost. And it's absolutely right. If you pass a runner, and I do, you know, I'll, do it, I'll do it on a 100-mile race, but I'll even pass a 100K runner. I'm like, I've passed that. I've taken their soul. It's a lesser value soul than one in my race. But just when, and I think it's really good for the back end of a race when you find yourself in a good place, and it's just that positive cycle of, a, 
I'm running well, I'm passing people, taking a soul, I've got energy, I'll run better. And it just gives you that positive loop to get through the back end of a race well. Yeah, it, it, it's certainly a much nicer way to do the back end of a race than having your soul taken by, uh, you know, 30 or 40 runners in the last 10K. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been there. I think UCA, I had a drop. I think I dropped from 5th to, uh, to 11th and then back up to 10th. Um, so, uh, yeah, feeling, uh, I think one guy, pa- I don't know, I can't remember who it was, but one guy passed me and he said, you okay, mate, are you going to finish? Oh. I was like, do I look that bad? I mean, I was running with the back end of the 50Ks and not making progress. Like, I think I did look that bad. <laughs> Mate, that's uh, that's clearly one of the blokes in the 100K just trying to alpha you in the last 10Ks. <laughs> uh, so it probably worked. I mean, it was there. Uh, and I, and I, had, I, had, uh, I had burned too many matches early on. Um, so I knew I wasn't in a great spot. But uh, yeah, it was, it, was absolutely, it was absolutely a 100K runner. But um, I, didn't, I didn't, didn't, see who, didn't see who it was. I'm, I'm I calling, I think out, would... calling out Scotty Richmond on that one. I reckon that smacks of his out. <laughs> oh, it may, it may, it may well, it may well have been because he did pass me around that point. <laughs> so if it, if it, if it was, uh, yeah, definitely worked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's well done, Skip. Nice one. That's unreal. Uh, you've um, you, you've recently hooked up with uh, with our podcast partners, Raidlight. Um, h- how did that come about? They said, um, yeah, that's been really good. That was an introduction from, so I've got my, another, another partner of mine, so I'm sponsored by RunVault, which is sort of a, a retail, um, you know, the, uh, full, full, full paraphernalia and nutrition kind of um, running out better. Um, those guys were very early raid light stockists in Australia when Alex started, um, when, you know, when Alex started bringing, bringing the gear in. And so I got my hands on sort of this red light gear. I was like, this is awesome. Um, you know, I got the, you know, uh, I got a, I got a shot on the, on the, on the pre-release version of the, uh, the 12 liter pack. Um, anyway, very generously, Jamie and Robert run, at uh, run vault introduced me to Alex. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met him when I went down for UTA and went, you know, he was, uh, he was down at, um, at the brewery and I, I went and said hi and had a bit of a chat with him and Jamie is already a, a red light athlete. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I really like these guys and talking gear, uh, geeking out on gear and racing. And um, I didn't even go to chat specifically about being sponsored. I just, uh, I wanted to talk about the gear and um, then yeah, basically from that, Alex, uh, you know, Alex uh, very much in, in concert with RunVault decided that it'd be good to, to, to have, um, have both, uh, both companies sponsoring me. So um, that's been awesome. Oh, mate, it's a perfect fit. Very good. And what, what's, uh, what, what's your favourite piece of kit from the Raid Light Mob? Um, oh, it's got to be the, the pack. Um, I think comparatively, now I go hard on gear. Like I do a lot of kilometres, even, even with this reduced volume. Um, and so... Um, yeah, I, go, I like. I, 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 I need to get a lot out of it. The raid light packs with the bowers, so they're, they're sort of they've got a clicky um, fit system, so they fit absolutely beautifully, um, which means they're not bouncing around. I, I've, I've run some of my best races, races where there's low mandatory gear and I don't have a pack, so it's really important to me to have something non-intrusive. And the raid, the raid light gear is great, and so I've run with that um, with that 12 liter pack every race for the last year. Um, through you know all sorts of different races, terrains, um, and it's done done me really well. So yeah, no, um, I, yeah, I agree. But, it's a it's a cracker that twelve liter thing. I've, I've used it for a couple of hundred k things as well, and it's been uh, yeah amazing. That's for sure. I so do I do also I do also like the uh, the red light shoes. Um, like these, uh, they're not for sale, and that you can't you can't get them in Australia. Um, but I, I've been pushing Alex to, uh, to, to start with the shoes. So if everybody writes to him and puts an inquiry on the website, we might well get them, but they're, they're seriously awesome. I use them for the, probably notably for Brisbane Trail Ultra 160K um, and fairly lightweight shoe. They've got a good rock plate. And that was a, that was a technical, really tough uh, miler. And those shoes are just brilliant. Ali said, Ali said, don't talk about the shoes because we don't sell them yet. I'm like, <laughs> I'll, 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 talk about the, 
I'll start talk about the shoes. Uh, I'll talk about the shoes and then everybody will want to buy them. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll get on to Alex uh, via social media somehow. Yeah, Mate, please do. Talking about meeting uh, Alex at, at the brewery there, I, I've seen a few shots of you with um, Mountain Goat beer sponsorship on a singlet. Is that uh, is that legitimate or is that something you guys have made up? No, so that's, uh, that is my, my running club, the Mountain Goat Trail Runners. Um, so as a as a club in Brisbane, you know, run up and down Mount Coosa on a uh, on a Wednesday night. A really good group of people, and uh, we're sponsored by a brewery, which is absolutely fantastic because there's always beer at the end of the run. So uh, no, absolutely legitimate. Um, the the Mountain Goat Brewery is definitely in on it. Oh mate, that's fantastic. Uh, that uh, that steam ale by Mountain Goat is a is a cracker. Yeah, no, big big <laughs> fan. I'll have to put a quick shout out to our beer sponsors, Cronulla Beer Co. Before I move on, but <laughs> we're allowed to try other things. I'm sure. I'm sure. Good, you won't care. Yeah, I, there are many different beers. I should. Um, I should get into a couple of listener questions. Actually, I've, I've got a few that have come in tonight. Um, first one comes in from Sean Pettit, and he wants to know why are you so scared to come back to Blackhall Hundred? Are you worried I've overtaken you as Queensland's ultra distance alpha dog? Uh, who's uh, who's Sean Pettit? <laughs> oh, you might is he the guy who came second at Blackall? I believe. Uh, how, how much did you knock him off by in, at, at Blackall? So it took 15, 15 minutes by the end of it. Um, so I so I trained with Sean. Sean and I um, are, uh, we'll, we'll run together two three times a week. Uh, we live close by. We're good mates. Um, the guy is a machine. Like he'll take five, like when we're training, he'll take five, 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes on like a kilometer a hill off of me. So that like, I mean, definitely one to watch. Um, we there was three minutes into it going into the last checkpoint. I was slightly ahead, um, and just bombed through, but yeah, we were neck and neck for that whole, whole race. Um, I'm actually giving Sean a chance to even the score in the ultra distance because we're running uh, Razorback together in, uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, so we'll see how he does then. But if it goes to one of, he uh, he's got absolutely nothing to stand on with uh, with asking me to come back to Blackhall. <laughs> I love the banter; it's good. So Razorbacks over sixty four k's, is that correct? Sixty four k's, yeah, and an awful lot of climbing. Yeah, okay, down uh, down in Brightway, is that? Yeah, it's out. So it starts out of Harrietville, yeah. up uh, up Mount Feathertop, Pole Three Three Three, and then back around Razorback Ridge. Oh, beautiful part of the world, mate. You'll love that. That's a spectacular country. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. Hopefully catch up with uh, with Matt, Matt Crean um, down there as well. Um, so he's going to try and make it up. Uh, Matt, Matt and I raced it. So we raced the BTU miler together. Yep. He, uh, he, caught, he, he, he took a very, very well-earned top spot on that. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what, that guy can drink beer better than he can run. Um, <laughs> and he's a... Pr- and he's also runner of the year, so we might have to have a chat to Matt, maybe uh, over a couple of beers. That sounds amazing. You'd be right, good so to have on. Listen to question coming from Risha Lewis. At which point during a mile or race do you find the most challenging and what helps you get past that point of the race? Oh, that's a really good question. Um I often find yeah, I think I'm just trying to think back to specific examples i think around that 110 120 k's um if i like that's where the that's where any hole in your nutrition will be will be tested so that as a general rule the longer the race the, the less forgiving it is on your nutrition um you can run a 50k with pretty amateur hour approach you can do 100k without being all that well fueled um and it, there's a little bit of little bit of wiggle room but see when you hit the 120 k's into a miler, unless you've been, unless you've been eating consistently and taking on the calories when you need them, like you'll you'll find a hole. So I think it's about 120 k, and it's all about eating eating beforehand, eating regularly, taking on your calories. Don't skimp on you know even if you don't feel like a gel, take the gel. Simple, simple. So. Um... I believe you've had a few runs with Risha over over the, the years, mate. Have you uh, chased her up and down Mount Biwa before? Not yet, and she's uh, she's pushing me for it. And I think um, 
I don't think it would be much of a chase. I think I'd be left trailing in her in her dust there. Um, <laughs> she was very, I mean, very confident about holding on to that Strava record, mate. So the challenge is out there. I think I think she would be. I mean, so Sean um, ran with uh, Richard Ian and I as well, and I think he'd 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 be better at, uh, at some of those um, some of those short distance crowns. So, um, I've probably won. I'll uh, I'll watch from the sidelines. I reckon. <laughs> I think that's a wise move. Hey, well done. And uh, last listener question: a bit of a celebrity is coming from Anton Kropitschka. He wants to know <laughs> what came first, the ultra running or the beard? Oh, mate. Uh, no, the beard. The beard's been a long-standing fixture. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely was bearded before ultra running. But I find uh, I find they go hand in hand. I couldn't separate the two now. <laughs> Hold on. He also wants to know how many calories from your gels get lost in there over the course of a hundred miles. Oh mate, there's, there's got to be there's got to be at least five hundred calories of, uh, of of gel of of gel goodness uh, in my beard. But um, yeah, probably shout out to another sponsor. Spring tastes great when uh, when sucked out of a beard. So you can uh, you can always rely on an extra five hundred calories, mate. That's uh, that's, that's it. It's, that's my emergency <laughs> supply. <laughs> I love it. But you are a bit of a self-described running geek, and um, talked about performing some experiments with your race plans and gear and nutrition. I want you to take me through a, a spectacular failure in terms of uh, this experimentation. Oh, Jesus. Um. I've been quite lucky in terms of like spectacular failures. Um, I mean, UCA was an unspectacular. Um, well, it was an, UCA was interesting because that was that was where I was experimenting with mindset, um, and I'd I'd read a book um, called How Bad Do You Want It. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the author, but you look it up. It's pretty, it's pretty well known. Yeah, Matt, and Matt Fitzgerald. There you go. And it's all these stories of people who found something else inside them and they've unlocked this whole new bit of human performance by wanting it a little bit, a little bit more than all those around them. Mm. Um, I think when I hit UTA, I got very excited about the competitiveness and finding this untapped resource and how bad do you want it and can they get myself in that mindset? I forgot to smile and have fun. And I even called, I, I came round the corner, I think it was the Kudumba Valley opening out ahead of me, a beautiful rainbow. And, and I called the rainbow a sea bomb. <laughs> um, like that's not happy running, that's not my style. So that was probably experimenting with that mindset was probably um, probably the biggest fail. And that after that, and especially with Black Hole, I just decided to go back to running happily. Um, keeping my smile on. Yeah, I ran hard and I pushed it when I needed to and I dug deep in the back end. But it was, uh, yeah, that was probably a learning point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, playing with nutrition early on has, uh, has led to some, I don't know whether this is a PG podcast, but uh, playing with nutrition leads to all manner of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, we, we love a bit of poo chat on this podcast. Go for it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So BVRT, so I'm totally aware that I'd been eating raisins, M&Ms. M&Ms are like, a part, I, I think they're the most calorie dense, the most carb-dense food in all of Coles. Mm. I did my research there. Uh, raisins, I read somewhere that eating cheese, or sorry, not eating cheese specifically, but taking on fat um, makes the carbohydrates sit better. So I like Baby Bell cheese, so I took some of those. Uh, I was on Red Bull and all manner of mix, and I sort of adapted that slightly for BVRT. Um, I was running BVRT a little bit harder, and I was kind of a bit closer to the wire. and there's a thing, you know, and it's classic, like, I run, I probably should have said this earlier, I run to my guts, like, that's how fast I can run. When I hear someone say, oh, I was running a great race, but then I had GI problems, mm-hmm. it's like, no, you ran faster than what your gut can give you. Yeah. And, and so, you know, for the calories you take on, so anyway, I ran faster than my gut, gut could give me on that BVRT race. Um, I, my gut stopped moving. You know, another good one is when you can, when you're belching, when you're farting, you know, it's moving and your guts are working. So that's a good sign. 
is when it stops, you've got the problem. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it stopped. My guts were not moving for about 40 kilometers. I was finding it hard to take on food. Um, and then I had, I got into an aid station and I felt the movement. I was like, here we go. And there's a video of me just coming into the aid station, veering straight off. I mean, it was the, it was the best seat of my life. Um, it was just an unbelievable relief, but it kept going for a little bit, um, like a jet engine every time I, every time I stopped and the crew can meet you every, you know, every, every few K at various stops where the road intersects. And so the crew had stopped and I was like, oh, hang fire. There's me holding on to a fence post for dear life whilst I've got this jet engine of, uh, of, uh, of, of GI juice going behind me. Um, and my dear, beautiful wife, Emma, I love her to bits, thought, you know what he really needs? If he needs to be able to see because it's dark. And so gets this building sight light and puts it straight on me so everybody can see, all the people going past, all the crews can see me holding onto the fence post for dear life. Um, say, say my prayers. <laughs> so that was probably a spectacular fail. Oh, mate, that's perfect. <laughs> I didn't expect to get the jet engine GI juice out. That's uh, that's brilliant, mate. <laughs> well, yeah, I did, I did, I did warn you. Ah, <laughs> uh, very good, very good, mate. Learn some lessons along the way. So, mate, we've we've got a pretty spectacular looking race calendar ahead of us by the looks of things, mate. Do you want do you want to run me through the the highlights list there for the rest of the year? Yeah, awesome. So there's two. So I've, I've got up until August booked in, um, back end of the year, not sure about, and that includes Black Hall with Sean, um, but two big races. Um, so I'm very lucky to have a place at uh, UTMB, Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. Um, it's 171 kilometers with over 10,000 meters of, of elevation, all the best runners in the world. Um, and so yeah, I'll be running that in August. Um, and I put I put it I put it out there into the into the wide world. Um, I'm going to try run that in 24 hours, which is again another ambitious uh, goal. It's probably next level ambitious, but um, it's a good one to work towards. Mm. Oh, um, I look the, forward to watching that, mate. Fantastic. Well, you'll either see that or or a heap of carcass on uh, on the side of the trail with the beard sticking up. So. <laughs> You've got to put it out there. That's for sure. So the other the other big one I'm really looking forward to is West Max Monster, mm. which is 231 kilometers from well, 231 kilometers west um, east of, west of Alice Springs into Alice Springs along the Larapinta Trail, mm-hmm. um, and the it's a cra- crazy rocky steep difficult trail. Um, Lucy Bartholomew did it so outside the race and. The lovely, lovely video of her, uh, her going through that. Um, the course records 41 hours. The, the cutoff is 60 hours. Like this is not an easy race. Um, finishing it will be a success, but I am going to put a plan together, um, and find and, and try, try to find a way to see if I can, uh, I can tease that, uh, that, that course record and, and come in underneath that. Fantastic. Is that Steve Redfern, the, the course record there? No, it's I think it's Shane Johnston. I don't know Shane, but he's got some he's got some chops. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not gonna be a soft a soft one to beat. No, it sounds horribly technical in terms of its its rockiness, that that track, that's for sure. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, so I guess the other the other one's sort of in, interspersed in there, let's say Razorback in a couple of weeks. I'm going down to the Alpine Challenge just to get some more vert. Um, so I'm running the marathon and then pacing, pacing a guy called Tom Dade, um, awesome dude, just pacing him in the miler. Um, so I'll get about 100Ks over the weekend. Um, and then in between West Max and UTMB, I'm going back to the Guzzler for a third time, but I'll probably do the 50K. Um, just I don't want to put too much out there a few weeks before UTMB. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, 50K will be a, uh, a nice little entree there, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, the other, the other interesting one, and I've, I don't know enough about it to commit either way, but I saw that UTMB uh, Kosciuszko. Mm. Yeah, um, there's, there's been a little bit of chat about that in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm not sure what it's going to look like there, but 
yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, Tom Landon Smith puts a good race together. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing what he comes up with. I, I want to, I want to see that because I hope it attracts the best, the best miler runners from around Australia. Um, and I think we've seen with the sport, the hundred k, you know, we've seen commoditization as a creep. Yeah, you know, a few years ago, 100k was unthinkable. The marathon was the thing, and then it's like 50k's, 100k's. And if you look at look at look at 100k, you can. It's almost like when I run 100k, that's almost a marathon mindset, like hand to the flame. When you go into that miler distance, that's where I think you pass the tipping point of mental and physical, mm-hmm. or you pass a, a tipping point. And so I'm I'm really interested to to get out there and race with, with some of the best miler runners in, in Australia and, and see, see what I can put out there. Yeah, that, that'd be amazing. Unfortunately, for the miler distance in general terms, you don't tend to get a very deep field there most of the time. So it would be great if it does attract, you know, a, a dozen great runners. But that, like that, that, would, that would be amazing. Like a dozen, a dozen sort of real, really competitive um miler runners like like what you see at the front of uta you know probably have 10 20 um you know probably 30 like really competitive runners Mm. but yeah a dozen a dozen miler runners would be interesting because i don't think i've i mean ucmb will be interesting obviously but i haven't done none of the miler rate none none of the milers i've done have had that sort of competitiveness at the front end of the field yeah yeah, diff- different kettle of fish when you're uh, you're having your soul sucked in the night, mate. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the soul is certainly different when you're back and forth with other races rather than being out there for long stretches on your own. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll uh, get a good taste of it in August over in Chamonix. I'm a bit jealous of that one, mate. Uh, yeah, you'll you'll have a ball. It's a, a great yeah. part of the world. About what- what I what I love is sort of round out about one of the things I love about running is um, it wasn't just me like there's there's a there's a few from few of us from Southeast Queensland going, but John who was the guy I started running with John Walsh and um, you know training with very early he he got into to UTMB at the same time mm-hmm. um, and then Chris Kane my crew chief is in CCC and our other mate who I've been running with from the start um, Mitch Wilton. Is also in the CCC, oh, so there's four of us going over, and it'll be re- it, like it doesn't like I've got high ambitions for the race, but it doesn't matter. Like it'll just be a cracking experience mm-hmm. um, with with the four of us. Mate, the entire town is set up for trail running for the week. It's an amazing place to be. Uh, yeah, you'll love it. You'll love it. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. Well, mate, thank thank you so much for your time and, uh, you know, taking us through your mindset and and your plans and your spreadsheets. It's been really enlightening. Thanks, Nick. And uh, you you certainly put together an impressive resume of races in the last couple of years. So whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Uh, And I I really am looking forward to seeing what you can pull together for UTMB. I think it's going to be an amazing race for you. Oh, Oh, thanks, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Always, always happy to chat running, happy to come on and, uh, and tell you all about UTMB as well. Yeah, no, I'd love to chat afterwards or even uh, might be able to get a, a special look in while you're over over there, while you're eating some cheese and drinking some uh, some beer afterwards. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> Fantastic, mate. Well, good luck in Razorback in, in a week or so. And, um, yeah, best of luck for the rest of the year, Nick. Awesome. Great to chat. Thank you very much, Addy. Cheers. Thanks, Nick. Cheers.